0: Hey there, Boardroom Podcast listeners. We're giving away a Wayne Rich longboard, one of his Wildcard 3 designs. That's right, teaming up with Surf Tech and Wayne Rich to give away a Wayne Rich Wildcard 3. It's in NFT construction, which is the EPS paired with the flax glass. So it's light. But it's not too light and it has a damp, low vibration feel, which I think is perfect for a log. As many of you know, Wayne Rich is an absolute legendary craftsman, board builder and this Wildcard 3 longboard looks quite buttery and as many of you know Wayne's a dear friend of mine a dear friend of many quite frankly Wayne and Surftech are giving away this board it's your chance to win a brand new Wayne Rich Wildcard 3 from Surftech all you got to do is go to surftech.com right now and simply enter to win it's that easy of course, Surftech has an incredible list of shaper partners, including Donald Takayama, Wayne Rich, as I've mentioned, Jerry Lopez, Mickey Munoz, Roger Hines, Joe Bark, and a host of other legendary shapers. I'm sure I haven't gotten to all of them. But regardless, now's your chance. Go to surftech.com and enter to win a Wayne Rich longboard. We've got surfboards by Pat Curran, Dick Brewer, Jerry Lopez, Michael Diffenderfer, Skip Fry, Steve Liss, Michael Hinson, Mike Eaton, Rich Harbor. Mark Richards, Chris McElroy, Al Merrick, Dennis Pang, Pat Rawson, Derek Hind, Sparky, Donald Takayama, Rennie Yader, Dewey Weber, Sean Stusey, Bing Copeland, all of these and more. Under the auction hammer during the California Gold Surf Auction, Spring 2024, April 6th through Saturday, April 20th. Register, bid, and win California Gold Surf Auction. The auction catalog should be available for Perusal sometime in late March. Pretty simple. Go to auctions. The Vintage Surf Auctions. The Vintage Surf Register, bid, and win. Now, on to the Boardroom Podcast. Kyle Knox is an old surf buddy of mine and a guy who has fired up the stoke to get me into foiling when the waves aren't cooperating for my surfboards. And Kyle and a crew of other guys recently had quite an adventure off the coast of La Jolla as they were visited by a pod of orcas. And Kyle joins us now to discuss what that was like and some fun other topics. The Boardroom Podcast with Kyle Knox. Let us begin. Hey. yeah guy
1: yeah guy <laughs> <laughs>
0: welcome kyle knox kyle knox you're on the uh, boardroom podcast can you hear me okay
1: awesome yeah you good oh. can you hear me okay yeah, also yeah.
0: yeah yeah you're loud and clear you're loud and clear uh former pro surfer from san diego current red hot surfer and also big time foil expert in my opinion kyle good to see you buddy
1: oh stoked thanks for having me on here you always have some awesome guests so honored to be on here and uh yeah foil and surf frother
0: <laughs> never yeah. ending it's funny i was just downloading clips from surfline from my from my foil session this morning <laughs> which is horrible but true um, it is
1: funny how i think because of surfline when you have a good camera in front of a surf spot it's 100% more crowded now because we all want to see our our mistakes or Oh, I just did such a good turn. It's like you look at it in the rewind, you're like, oh my God, that was not that good. But <laughs> it felt good, I guess, right?
0: I know. The video does not lie, man. It's so funny. I was just looking at it and I'm like, oh, I'll send this to Kyle. And I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I got some issues here.
1: <laughs> nice. Well, you lo- You were looking good the other day when I saw the clip you sent. That was super good. Um, I was stoked oh. to see
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, coming from you, that means a lot because you're sort of the man, but let me, a lot of our listeners probably don't, a lot of insight into you. So tell me real quick, kind of some backstory, like where did you learn to surf? Where did you do most of your formative training as a young surfer and then as a pro surfer?
1: Sure. So quick rundown. I grew up, well, my family's from San Diego. My great-grandparents moved here um uh, my mom's side in 1917, 18, actually from Iowa, which is sort of crazy. Um, and they live in Mission Hills, Point Loma, um, other spots. And then my dad's side moved here. Um, uh, my grandpa pre-World War II in the 1930s. Um, and then grandma also. Uh, and so my dad grew up in Imperial Beach, uh, a couple blocks from the beach. Um, my mom grew up uh, moving around a little bit in SoCal, but ultimately both born in San Diego. And my dad won the battle to where my mom was going to live in in Imperial Beach because the surf was good. Um, and there wasn't the pollution that there is now. I mean, it's really sad. Um, but anyways, so I grew up in Imperial Beach. So, I mean, I call it the surf ghetto, but it was a great town to grow up in in terms of very small, very classic in terms of lots of surf history. It was sort of its own little zone, sort of like Silver Strand and you know winter or something like that um but people were really nice uh once you got to know them probably weren't the nicest to outsiders but it definitely uh i got to surf a bunch of good waves and now they're super polluted so i can say that well before it was a little more guarded <laughs> but uh mm. um had a lot of good friends definitely a pecking order in the lineup uh but uh lots of People taking turns, being respectful, things that don't exist as much in the surf world um, that I wish existed more, but same time it's crowded, so I get it. But uh, uh, my dad was a good surfer, my uncle's a good surfer, um, but he was a lifeguard, a school teacher. Mom was an engineer at Hewlett Packard, so um, was able to have enough money to live by the beach because it's expensive. And uh, basically started surfing around eight, nine years old had a custom surfer board, um, from the goose, um, and then John Strebler, And then Mike Richardson made me a custom five, four who's iconic shaper. Um, and basically just got addicted to surfing, uh, was into surfing. Lots of different boards when I was younger, had fishes watched five, five, 19 and a quarter on repeat, sort of that generation then started doing contest, um, uh, was. Work my way up NSSA, that sort of change where you sort of have to fall in line with okay, you ride a shortboard, you lose the fish, the fun side of different alternative craft, because you're not going to get scored very well if you ride those things. I learned early on, um, you got to sort of conform. Um, so it's nice getting older and where you get to not conform and do what you want to do and enjoy and ride all kinds of different stuff. Uh, so went, did NSSAs, USSFs. Um, I think I, I was the 2000 NSSA Western amateur open men's champion. So there's a fun title and uh, sponsored sort of normal see here from Quicksilver ended up going to Ezekiel afterwards, Wanted to be a pro surfer. Like everyone's dream was the nice boom of the surf era turned into journeyman pro got to travel around, got very disgruntled was traveling, spending a bunch of money to go to contests with horrible waves i just want to surf good waves and so tried to basically milk to surf good waves um sorry old sponsors but i appreciate it (laughs) had a great time got to surf a lot of good waves got to go on a trip with you actually scott i think about it it that's right
0: yeah that was um i'm not sure i want to say that jeff devine put that trip together i think and um it was 2004 or 2005. What do you recall from that trip? Anyway, we I know we were in Indonesia. We were in the Mantua's on a boat.
1: Yes. Um, it was a really cool trip. Um, Ke- Kevin Naughton was there, Travis Potter. Oh, we
0: scored. Yeah, we that was sh- It was. Oh, we got three swells. Three yeah, swells.
1: Eight, like Oh, my gosh. It was absolutely epic. In fact, I rarely run into Jeff Devine when I do. He always mentions he's like, that was the best trip ever. And so I think everyone broke every board. I think I brought six or seven boards and I ended up with one going home and it was still dinged and slightly buckled. It was just epic. Ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah.
0: We absolutely scored on that trip. Three different swells. I want to say we were on the Midas. The boat was the Midas. Is that, does that ring a bell or I think,
1: gosh, I have, I feel like I have the hat somewhere. I was stoked. I wore that thing for a couple of years
0: yeah, it might have been the Midas. Who knows? I, you and I have been on so many different boats. It's, I kind of lose track. But the reason I think it was the minus, the thing that was striking for me for that trip, besides the incredible waves that we got, was um, being on a trip with Kevin Naughton. Because I got to sit with Kevin Naughton, and he told me the most insane, like, backstory. I was sworn to secrecy that I could never tell it about. Tavarua and how it all kind of like actually the, the behind the scenes as to how Tavarua came to be. And uh, it was fascinating. It was like one of those stories. It was like a week long story, you know, like he'd tell me three hours at a time, you know, and then we'd like go to sleep and then the next, you know, anyway. oh, I remember
1: it was absolutely epic actually. And it was funny cause I just sat there. I remember after having insanely good surf sessions all day, and then we would sit around, eat dinner and have, I mean, I'd have a couple adult beverages and just listen to the legendary stories, especially with him and Jeff both talking, it was crazy. Yeah, definitely sworn to secrecy. I'll keep, yeah, keep it that, yeah. but I definitely remember a lot of those stories.
0: <laughs> well, that was good fun. Um, I want to say we surfed. Uh, we got HT's, Lance's right, really good. Was that a trip? Yeah. Did we surf? I mean, I Super guess every, every trip you surf, they're good, but anyway. Um, well, speaking of adventures and, and sort of crazy surf stories, I spoke with you on the phone last week and, um, I mentioned it in my other podcast, um, what occurred with you and an encounter with some friends of yours and a pod of orcas off of La Jolla. So I'm hoping that you'll take us through that encounter a bit. Um, first of all, who were you with? Um, what were you doing out there? What were the conditions, um. What was the equipment that you guys were using?
1: Sure. So this was a bit of a rare one. So we had a south wind um, event, I think, is what the foiling world calls it. It's pretty funny. Um, so use their terminology. So there is a lot of south wind in the, um, from a storm. And so it was basically almost like a before the storm coming front. And so t- normally L.A. gets all the wind, San Diego, on this occurrence got more wind up in Los Angeles. And so we had wind from Baja going all the way up to basically South Bay LA. Um and so we saw this on the radar. Um we've been winding into downwind and so basically called up Chuck Glenn and John lana So Chuck Glenn is a legendary waterman uh done a bunch of stuff was in on foiling very early, Uh, great foiler, great surfer, sup, all kinds of different stuff. Um, and he is a plug for him. Amazing lessons. Um, if you ever want to learn to foil, he's a great guy to talk to you. Uh, John Lannis, he is the FCS rep. Uh, I mainly use futures, but because of him, I'm starting to teeter in FCS a little bit. So it wasn't because of pro surfer is actually because of John. (laughs) Um, but, uh, so, the other one we were with was Saxon Chang, which his video has gone viral. So now we're all orca influencers. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and then uh, there was Mark Avena, the wild man. And so he is a really amazing, famous airbrusher been in the surfboard manufacturing world a long time, um, based in Oceanside. And so it was a lot of logistics. We basically did a trip from San Diego mission Bay all the way up to Oceanside Harbor. And so we had two skis, um, Chuck and John got a, basically a double trailer so that we can launch two skis from mission Bay Two single trailers have Chuck's, um, Awesome van with the double trailer up in ocean up in oceanside, drive back down to San Diego to make it all work, go downwind for 30 miles, which is the dream. Um, it was a little bit crazy because we're all not, I mean, Chuck's been downwinding more than the rest of us, but I mean I've only downwinded probably three, four times ever. And so we're like, all right, this is the way to send it. Um, we had two skis, uh, all had flotation device, all had GPS, all had we both had VHF radios trackers on our cell phones are on us and watch. So try to do everything as safe as possible. Um, the Honda see here, Honda jet ski was a little bit, not as fuel efficient as, so we had a newer 2023 Yamaha. That's awesome with the bumpers around it, rescue sleds on both skis. Sorry, just cause I know people are gonna be like, Oh, you're doing crazy stuff. What are you doing? It's like, I mean, come on, have a little bit of a rebel in you, but uh <laughs> do some fun stuff. Do epic shit, right? Um, and so we basically launched it was 30 knot wind, crazy good downwind conditions. Raining, you could barely talk to people that are. I mean, if you're next to them, um, you can talk to them easy because you're going the speed of the wind, but if you're behind them, you can't really hear. So, but we basically had an epic time going up the coast. Um, learning how to downwind. John and I were both on a prone board, his setup. So it was a Dark Arts, um, actually AR, Alex, shout out to him. Uh, Justin Tunez made prone board uh, with sort of high aspect foil on it. And then Chuck was on a downwind F1 board, which is a sub paddle board where you basically don't get towed up. And then Mark was on a... Freedom with an Armstrong foil, uh, bigger foil, a little slower, easier to pop up, but not as fast. And then Saxon Chang was on uh, a self-shaped, which is pretty epic, uh, lift high aspect 180 foil. So sorry for everyone out there listening that's like, what the heck are all these numbers and everything? But for foil people, they want to hear. And so we're on a little bit bigger equipment than we should have been given the conditions. Um, I wanted to be on a smaller foil, but because I was sort of a late person because I have too many kids, so I had to convince my mom to come over to drop the kids off to school so I can meet them. So, thanks everyone for letting me jump on, uh, and basically go up there. So, we launched in Mission Bay, we're going along, we're learning. Having a blast, everyone sort of starts with, okay, you stay up on foil for like two, three minutes, and you go to five minutes, and then sort of go to 10 minutes, and then you go to longer, then you start to go too long to where you get away from the other jet ski, and we want to try to stay close together for safety reasons, and uh, we're having a blast. The bumps are amazing. I mean, it's basically like surfing a wave for minutes at a time and carving around. It's like snowboard powder surfing i mean it's a, such a unique feeling there's a lot of uh people that downwind around the world it's definitely a fast-growing sport you're offshore so you're not interfering with anyone's lineups or doing anything like that there's a lot of really good surfers that do it um that are basically closet foilers that don't post on the social media but <laughs> are addicted to it i know yeah. um so we going um basically off I'd say we, we saw PB point, you can see wind and sea, we can see the shore I and mean, the way the wind was going, it was Southeast wind. And so it blows you out to sea a little bit if you're following the bumps um, properly. And so you're sort of cutting back to shore a little bit. So right around La Jolla Cove, because it sticks out, you start to go further offshore to follow the bumps, the wind line. And so right around then you're like, oh, like it's raining. You can't really see the land that well but you're following the bumps and we're having a blast trucking along all of a sudden. Um, I I'm driving. So I'm trading off with John and John and I are both on the prone board. So you get towed up on the jet ski just for like, you know, 10 seconds just to pop up on foil. And then from there you ride the bumps. Um, and so John, it was John's turn. We were sort of leapfrogging between skis. John basically it was his turn. He just got up. I was following him all of a sudden John starts waving his hands wildly, like coming over to go get next to him. Like, what the heck? Like, why is he waving his hands? He's foiling. Looks like he's having a blast. Everything's great. So I go and get next to him and you can hear talking when you're next to him because you're both going more the speed of wind. And so he's like, orcas, there's orcas, there's orcas. I'm just like, "What? like, what are you talking about? And then all of a sudden, boom he goes and turns straight into the ski basically runs into the rescue sled on foil and i'm like holy crap as soon as he does that i see an orca pop up right next to the ski i mean i thought it was a dolphin but then it was i mean i instantly your brain goes okay this is a dolphin it's fine but you look and it's huge it's way bigger than the the jet ski with the sled on it has a huge dorsal fin and it sticks up multiple feet out of the water and you're like, holy crap. And so he jumps up onto the ski, the fastest I've ever seen him jump on the ski, because he likes to take his time and, you know, relax. We sort of cruise around, drive nice and chill. Um, and so I'm like, holy crap, what's going on? He's oh, there's orcas. There's nuts. We got to tell the other guys. And so we go, he pulls his stuff up. We're sitting there. And there's... When
0: you, like, when you first saw the orca, yeah. were you... Were you... I mean... I would be scared. Like, like I'm pretty freaked out about orcas, the number one predator on Earth. Perhaps I would argue I'm not an expert. Were you freaked out?
1: I mean, obviously you freaked
0: out, but were you afraid? Like, were you like, like, were you like, what was the feeling, the emotion inside of you?
1: It was a lot of sensory overload because I I feel like being in the ocean, being in, I'd say, scarier situations a lot. You're always sort of like, okay, you tell yourself, be calm. This there's the ocean. You just gotta be calm. You just gotta take what's going on, and you'll be okay. And so initially, I was just going in shock, going, like, really, is this like really happening? This is nuts. And then you start to go, like, oh boy, we're gonna, we're on this vessel that's not that big. These things are huge and they could just flip us like note, like a tinker toy. There's no, I mean, they're, they can do whatever they want to you basically. So yeah. initially we, I get going or we're, we I get on the radio, we have channels to each other. So I get on the radio. I'm like, Hey guys, cause we wanted to warn the other foilers that are in the water heads up. There's How far away orcas.
0: are they from you? You can see them? like the, You can see like, them.
1: So their line of sight. A quarter,
0: a quarter of a mile or something?
1: Um, Probably about a quarter mile, yeah. I'd say, yeah. I think that's probably, yeah. I'd say not that far because we were going a little faster than them. And so we let them go by and then we are catching up to them. And because we were on a smaller foil. Um, Although Chuck was going, he was just, he basically did 20 miles unassisted. So he was yeah. doing his own thing. He was waiting for us all the time. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd say about a quarter mile. We could see them. We we're all wearing bright clothing. So you can see also, because the bumps are six feet tall. So you basically almost go under where you can't see anyone. And then you go on the, up on a bump and you could see them type of thing. And the same thing for the other ski. So we get on the radio. I'm like, Orca, Orca, Orca coming your way careful. And then as I'm saying that there's literally orcas going and breaching next to us. And John is just yelling like, Oh my God, look right there. And I'm just like, Holy crap, what's going on. This is ridiculous. Are they going to attack us? Like what's, what's the deal? So you instantly go into that. Okay. Safety mode. And so we, I, I would start driving a little faster going probably about 10 to 15 miles per hour, which is decently fast and that much bump and chop. And as I'm driving i'm using my other hand on the radio and, and telling the other ski and then all of a sudden saxon jumps on his orcas like you could just tell he's like what like what's going on I was like orca orca shamu killer whale like what you know <laughs> just like like really because you're just not used to something hearing that i was like mm-hmm. they're coming your way they're like and he's just i could hear him like orcas coming our way what i was like yeah mm-hmm. orcas coming your way and so Saxon. So we're now going a little, and so I put the radio down. I'm going a little faster. We're going probably 20 miles per hour, give or take. Almost as as fast as the bumps. It's are you going
0: towards? To are you now um, going towards the other skis? We're going of-
1: straight towards the other ski to get next to them to sort of corral and just you know make sure everyone's okay per se and nothing happens. So we we're going pretty fast. Meanwhile, the orcas are following us in the wake. They're going and basically we're not leaving them in the dust. There's no getting away from them. They are the apex of the ocean. They can do whatever they want. I mean, they the it felt like they're just checking us out and almost playing like dolphins. Like they're moving like dolphins, but just bigger, faster, stronger, huge. So there's two orcas that were probably like, I'd say 18, 20 feet that were the smaller ones that were breaching the most. So I think there was four orcas. There was a big one. I mean, they're all massive. There was a bigger one that was probably in like the low 20 size wise. And then there was one massive one that was like 25 plus feet. I mean, massive. And that one wasn't breaching as much. And that one was staying under more and sort of cruising. But I mean, they're just cruising behind us, but then disappearing, going under. Luckily, the water was clear because this is basically off of Scripps Black's area and and the canyon there. And so the water was nice and clear. There's tons of bumps, a little bit of rain, but you could see them. I mean, they're so big that you can see them easily. And the videos don't do it justice in terms of how easy they are to see when you're in the water, especially when you're up on a ski looking down um, to look at them. So we get to the other ski uh chuck is already on the back of the ski and saxon's driving um and then chuck is on the back he has his sup up on the sled meanwhile mark is, mark avina he is still on like standing on his board hanging out there's orcas around him i go right next to him trying to sort of block and like hey mark get on what are you doing like get on and he just is like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm like, what? Like, get on the ski. You're nuts. And uh, so Mark just is like, no, nah, this is the way. If I'm going to go, this is the way I'm going to go. I'm going to be going with orcas foiling in the middle of the ocean. That's the way I want to go. I'm just like, you are effing nuts. That's like, crazy. Wild man. So uh, anyways, we're. I'm just like, whatever. Like, I'm not going to force you to get up on here. Like, if you want to go. So meanwhile, we're next to him. He's... I'm pointing, there's literally an orca underneath him. And I'm going like, holy crap, there's an orca, it's huge underneath him. Meanwhile, he's yelling at me, there's an orca under the ski, there's an orca under the ski. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's under you, bud. Like, they're under both of us. You're nuts. And so, probably about 15, 20 seconds after that, he pops up on foil, because he's amazing at popping up on foil, and so he basically paddled his way up on foil and started foiling with orcas. And so meanwhile, they're following him, moving all around. They're following us. They're, I mean, probably you can see in some of the videos, I mean, they're literally five feet away from the ski or less and they're breaching. I mean, you could see their teeth. They would go back down. You would feel the wake from them pushing the ski sideways, even in huge bumpy conditions like that. Yeah. So insane sorry it was like a no lot no this is good <laughs> this is
0: good keep going so but you said you saw their teeth so that must have been pretty freaky i mean those those things are mammoths right i mean
1: oh yeah they they will i mean their mouths so i didn't see the bigger ones i mean i it was breaching but like i said not very much but i mean you could see the outline of the mouth because it was going out and i didn't see that one's teeth really but the smaller still 20 footers Teeth, I mean, they're huge. It looks like they could chomp the whole back of the ski. I mean, <laughs> massive. Yeah. So, I mean, they seem to be extremely smart. I mean, they knew what they're doing, they didn't brush or touch us at all. They're checking us out, but I mean, it doesn't make it make you feel any better at the moment. You're just freaked out. I mean, you see the teeth, how massive their their mouth is, and everything else, you're just going, you're your million things are going through your brain and one second going like holy crap i have too many kids what is the wife gonna think of this one <laughs> but uh, um but luckily i mean it, you i mean we cruise around with them for a while and so they're i think very interested in the foil um a bit i'm gonna blame it on armstrong foil they have the stripes <laughs> oh,
0: yeah because <They laughs> that's a mark like orcas no. yeah
1: yeah i, I mean and also, Chuck was saying his ski is white and black, and so it has sort of the black bumpers around it. Um, but uh, yeah, they cruise around with us, and they're just checking us out, going, and we'd start moving. They'd like follow us, but then they breach a little bit, play in the wake. I mean, they seem like they're just happy, loving life. Not really. I mean, I just didn't want them to play with us, so no. <laughs> per se.
0: And so how I haven't seen I've saw the video that's that you sent me a while ago. It was pretty short that Saxon took. I think it's like 10 seconds long, or at least a little edit on Instagram. Is there another place we can see like longer format video where Mark is actually foiling for a while? Um, um, you know, I up don't on know.
1: is that You're clip that you the- sent
0: me the only clip that's out there?
1: So there's two other clips so that are out there, at least on social media. And so Mark, his account has one and that has the vantage point of John. So I'm driving the ski on it, on the Honda that's red. And so you can see basically nervous laughter from me, John talking about um, Mark being close and foiling with Orcas. And uh, you can basically see how close, I mean, it's quick. So it was how close the, the orcas were to us i mean and you could see in that video bit one breaching and basically see its teeth and mouth too if you slow it down i think i didn't want to slow it down because i saw it in real life and that was plenty that was probably too much <laughs> um but uh <laughs> wow. um, but uh and so it's hard to get clips of it and in fact i remember going and yelling at saxon i was like saxon you're the photographer get clips <laughs> of this this is epic like go get clips of this i meanwhile i'm just like holding on to the to the jet ski handlebars like gripping them like death grip just squeezing them going like oh god please okay i'm just like sort of standing up on the ski and not sitting down just looking around being hyper aware sort of situ awareness um per se risk management um right on style lifeguard style because i was a lifeguard for a long time and went through a lot of different things but uh Anyways, so, <laughs> so so were
0: you guys as a group or Were you were you like, I mean, I guess initially you guys were kind of like, wow, this is gnarly. This is intense. And then eventually you kind of calmed down a little bit and you were like, what, what are we going to do? We just got to keep on going until they leave.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't really. I mean, I think we it was spoken about a little bit, but we we're just like, hey, let's keep going. Let's just keep going. We got to go up the coast. I mean, we're going 30 miles up the coast on jet skis. And so you got to just keep moving. The wind was epic. Eventually we'll get away from them. And so Mark eventually, I mean, he went foiled for a while. They probably were with us, I'm guessing 10 to 15 minutes. And uh, Mark was one with them for a while, um, popping up and then sort of foiling and then going down. And eventually he got back on uh, the ski and basically started motoring a bit. And uh, so we were just sort of, trying to cruise but like i said there's no getting away from them they do what they want they're they i mean i got the sense they can go i looked up afterwards it says top speed 35 knots and i was like yeah they can do that super fast and they can yeah. turn on a dime it's impressive like nuts yeah. so yeah. no outrunning them in those conditions maybe if it was glassy and clean you could probably outrun them maybe but in yeah. the chopping conditions there's no outrunning those things at
0: all wow what a crazy story and so when you finally got back to Oceanside I mean you, I mean I guess during the whole I mean 30 miles is a long you, but, I mean what an incredible experience I don't yeah. know where to go with this other than say oh I know God, it sounds it's scary as well it's
1: funny is we we're both so John and I were on a, on a ski together and we're looking at each other and John's on the back and I'm like hey and we hadn't seen him for a while I was like John you want to go foil again he's like hell no <laughs> He's like, you want to go looking at me like, Patty, your turn. You're up, buddy. And I'm like, oh, you had a short turn last time. Like, your turn. So eventually I was like, all right, like, I think we're good. We haven't seen in a while. And so like, I when go. was that? Was and, that
0: in like Del Mar or were you up in Cardiff area by the uh, Yeah, then
1: pro- I mean, it was hard. We are pretty far offshore. So, and it's raining, yeah. windy. So it's hard to see exact landmarks. Yeah. But yeah. I'm guessing probably around Torrey Pines, give or take. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I go and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go up. And I and I saw them with Mark, and they're fine with Mark. They weren't, you know, if they were gonna go and attack, they had plenty of times to attack. And so they weren't. I mean, they were yeah. basically checking us out. So there is a, definitely a little more of a sense. Not that I mean,
0: I don't know. You're still man. scared. I'm still yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Relatively. I mean, we're all a little crazy. We're all downwind foiling offshore you know when no one else wants to be in the ocean so you got to get that out of the way a little bit like to do this you got to be pretty you know out there semi Mm -hmm. um um, as safe as we can type of thing but Mm -hmm. so anyways i jump on and jump on the rope and i'm nervous i'm like okay i'm just gonna stand up i think i'm just gonna do a step off off the ski where you basically just jump off the ski and then you're on foil right out there i was like ah. I don't know. I don't want the rope. Eh, we'll just try. And so I get off, I get towed up on foil. And as soon as I get towed up on foil, like 30 seconds, a minute later, I see what I think is an orca. And I'm pretty, yeah, it was an orca. I mean, you, you see their dorsal fin. It sticks out of the water five feet. You know what it is. Yeah. It's not a dolphin. So I was like, Oh God. Okay. I'm done. And so I did the same thing where I just foiled straight onto the back of the ski. I was like, cool. That was a good, <laughs> let's keep going for another 10 minutes and just keep, cruising along. I don't need to do that. That was, that was enough to go and, and do that. But, um, yeah, we just kept trucking along and going up the coast and eventually this orcas, I mean, sort of weren't following us anymore. Um, and it was still absolutely epic downwind conditions. And so we started foiling and downwinding up the coast or upwinding up the coast, basically north. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I remember the rest of the time though, I'm just looking back at the ski. I'm like, all right, John, like follow me, track me. Don't go, don't let me go far away. And, uh, I was going, and we were also talking about, okay, we need to keep closer together, not be so far away in those conditions. And so we went a little slower, a little more careful, a little closer together the rest of the run. And uh, I remember going and I was getting better at downwinding because you're learning as you go more. And so I'm up on foil, probably like 10, 15 minutes, give or take. And John's not following me as close as I want him to do. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and I'm trying to wave my hand. I'm like, hey, get over here. What are you doing? Like, we just saw orcas earlier. I don't want to go and be out by myself on this, you know, wide ocean here, even though, I mean, you have. The flotation, I mean, you'll be fine. You get piled ashore, and you know, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about, yeah. you know,
0: getting chomped. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> they, I don't want them to start playing with me thinking well, it's a stingray we, or something.
0: We've, um, as you know, we 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 had a uh, there was a whale encounter. Jason, um, Jason, he goes by Jason the Jaw on Instagram. I forget his last name right now. Do you know Jason?
1: No, I mean, I saw he that. Was, that was insane. I yeah. was he was probably, kite foiling. Yeah. Craziest. I mean, crazier than ours, I'd say nuts, even though I mean, different, but
0: different. Yeah. Just different because it was, I don't, I want to say it might've been a humpback whale or whatever, but it basically it kind of got a hold of his, um, his kite and, and his harness, the way his harness was hooked up and took him underwater and he was somehow, and I don't want to butcher Jason's story. It's actually out there. You know, Mike, uh, the guys that do the foil, the progression project podcast, Those guys do an interview with Jason and they go, Eric Eric, yeah, Eric's great. And so they go into Jason's story. So if another great sort of scary out at sea, you know, mammal moment, if you will.
2: When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply
0: what are your takeaways from this i mean what's great is that you were prepared as far as your safety equipment by the way i've done that downwind before baldy and i did it on stand-up paddleboards maybe 10 years ago we didn't have any equipment like if an orca would have come well i would have i don't know what i would have done (laughs) <laughs> and we were and by the way we were you know you know how downwinds are it's easy to get 300 yards away from each other you're basically on your own
1: oh totally we had, no,
0: we had no skis we're just two dudes on down on stand-ups you know, and, so oh, know again. and now i know you need to bring a ski and you need to have a radio and you need to have your phone and you need a gps and blah blah blah
1: yeah but, exactly yeah. get out there even though i mean definitely done plenty of dumb things in my life like that. So I mean, I don't have to be dumb. They're adventurous. It's in the good surfer spirit, you know, got to have a little adventure.
0: Yeah. And look, I I think the downwind thing is awesome and I've done them in Hawaii and stuff. And I, and with skis and with the right safety gear, it's, it's kind of a no brainer, you know? Um, So good for you. Good for you. I'm stoked for, I'm stoked that you had this adventure. Have you been, have other people been reaching out to get, you or Mark or or Saxon to tell their story about this?
1: A little, I mean, just a lot of friends. I mean, because people I know and they know me from surfing and a bit from foiling too. I mean, there's like, what was that? You like, they're they're sort of tripped out by it. Going, wait, I thought that was you. What What do you mean? You're out there in the middle of the ocean on like I couldn't. I mean, they don't understand downwinding. They're not no. sort of in tune with that. And so, yeah, people have been definitely reaching out. Never thought, I mean, because it is such a rare thing. And I think the orcas this year have been sticking around a lot longer um than they normally do. Um, because I know it's funny, is I think Mark mentioned he's like, I've always wanted to go and check out orcas, and so that's probably why he was being crazy and wanted to be next to him. Just like, well, that was a little too close for me. I'm happy to see them on a big old boat. And uh, don't need to be next to them that close again. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's definitely a surreal thing that we'll have the rest of our lives. Um, They'll be amazing to tell everyone like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's funny how stories as you get older and you retell them. I mean, the orcas are going to become 35 feet, 40 feet, whatever it is. At the same time, I mean, there's videos of it now. And so yeah. before you couldn't even have videos. You didn't have the cell phones right there to check everything out. Um, You just be a wise tale, be like, oh, yeah, these guys were downwinding and they had a pot of orcas with them. They're like, oh, bullshit. Come on. No way. <laughs> so it is neat I, about that.
0: I also sense that um people don't, unless you're, unless you've been to SeaWorld lately, like people are like, oh, just some dolphins. That's cool. No, no. These are insanely scary, massive, smartest creatures on earth. Like, I, I don't think unless you were there, like it, you, you understand how kind of spooky it is
1: oh yeah we're talking so a jet ski is probably I mean the they're I'd say 12 13 feet long and then the rescue sled adds another five six feet behind it I mean they're dwarfing that and when you and I looked up afterwards I mean they're ten thousand pounds I mean that's like a huge truck I mean that's like a f2 250 350 truck I mean that's absolutely massive. And so when you're next to it in the ocean, I mean they're throwing like I said wakes off because they're so big and they're so fast. And that's the thing that I think blew me away seeing them in the wild like that is just how fast and smooth they are in the water and there's no nothing that will touch them. They're not worried about anything, you know, like you said, the apex, the the top of the food chain. They're just having a time of their lives, not worried about anything. And I I mean, looking up afterwards, they're picky eaters. And so luckily, because I think Mark mentioned it when we're out there, they're like, oh, there's no recorded orcas. don't They don't attack humans. They don't like humans. And there's no recorded wild. I'm like, yeah, there's no recorded because whoever got eaten, they ate them whole. They're gone. Like no <laughs> remains, you know, like they're huge. But anyways, um, something fun. I, I was going to, I mean, more fun, talk about, I guess, change topics slightly, design and all the fun things going, being a surfer foiling and that experience for you. I was wondering how that's going, I guess, oh, Good. Okay. And surfing, how much you're surfing, how much you're foiling now. And uh, well, like, how it's been received yeah. in the lineup and sort of how it feels.
0: Yeah, so that those are great questions. Um, so I learned that I have to surf and foil the equal an equal amount and so you saw me the other day i was surfing um and when it's smaller i'll foil and if i go back and forth foiling and surfing i have a real well-rounded sort of approach to um, my ocean entertainment my ocean exercise so it's been wonderful i spoke to a guy this morning who you know um he gives surf lessons at uh the river mouth and um i forget his name right now but uh but anyway, I was going, hey man, when are you gonna get on the foil? You know, let's go. And and we started to talk about the barrier to entry. Like there is a real barrier to entry because he's a perfect guy. Like he's like you know, forty years old, super expert surfer, can ride anything in rips. And it's like, hey, th- you're the perfect demographic for a foil. Like, and we started talking. He's like, well, where do I get one? How do I? Get- I want to try one. Everybody, you know blah, blah, blah. And, and we sort of ran into the same roadblocks that I think a lot of people run into, which is how do I start? I, do, I don't want to throw $2,000 at, at something that I might not be engaged with. You know, like there's no demo gear. I think the industry is really missing the boat here. Like there needs to be a place for people to go and experience it and learn how to do it without some crazy number attached to it, fiscally, you know, financially. Now, I know up in I guess I don't know, but I think up in Seal Beach they have a foil shop that you can probably demo stuff. So that's an that's an opportunity. But for guys down here in San Diego, they're like, yeah, you know, maybe like that's kind of what you get, right? You get a lot of oh, maybe this looks cool. I'd like to try it. You know? yeah.
1: It is anyway. it's definitely a huge barrier to entry. I mean, even me, first of all, yeah, that's cool that you're doing 50-50 because I love it, because that's pretty much what I'm doing, is pretty much 50% surfing, 50% foiling. Maybe more surfing when the waves are good in the winter right now. And then yeah. summer I'm probably more at like, a, I don't know, 70, 80% foiling 20%. Yeah. I'd say like 80 foiling 20 surfing. So it's this summer when everyone was complaining about the bad run of waves, I was laughing. I was just like, Oh, I'm having the time of my life. It's changed my life. I'm like not a grumpy surfer. Cause waves are bad anymore. Um, so the, so in terms of demo gear, yeah, it's a huge thing. I mean, I personally just invested and spent top, you know, a bunch of money on gear when I started and just took the leap of faith. Luckily, I was able to go with Mike Gillard and he towed me up behind a ski one time in the bay. And as soon as I got that feeling, I was hooked. I was like, Holy. Is
0: Gillard foiling?
1: Yeah, Gillard, Mike Gillard foils. Yeah. Oh, cool. He doesn't foil that much, but he foils his son foils a good amount. Okay. Um, and they go out to point Loma and catch waves and stuff. Oh, cool. Um, uh, so yeah, he, he definitely foils.
0: So the, so yeah, the barrier to entry, their lack of, um, equipment and demo equipment and the lack of the, of the ability for us to point somebody in the right direction. You know, so many times, like people like, like this morning guys like, Oh, what do I do? Where do I start? And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, call Kyle, but
1: yeah, no, you can. That's, I was Kyle. just going to say that, but I almost, I don't want to do it on a podcast right now, Scott, but, but oh, yes, you know, please do. Um Paul but Kyle, uh, he's got yeah, Chuck,
0: you know, but nobody's Chuck really.
1: Is, well, that speaking of which, so shout out to Josh up at the foil shop. Um, He is amazing what he's doing for the community. It's an awesome, he awesome wealth of knowledge when you talk to him. Uh, and I definitely recommend people to talk to Josh up at the foil shop. Also Patrick's up there. Um, I always try to be a good ambassador of the sport cause I don't think foiling is ever going. It's a little, I hate to say it, it's a little too difficult. So I don't think it's ever going to take over and be this death to lineups. Like people think just yeah. because you're, you're looking for different waves, even in lineups, you're looking for the different waves in the lineup than surfers are looking for. And when the waves get really good, I'm, I mean, both of us were like looking at like, okay, the waves are good. And even borderline days, I'm like, oh, should I foil? I'm like, it's high tide. Like, uh, I see a couple surfable, good surfing waves. So you go back and forth. The next one, I mean, so you have Michael Duke down in San Diego and he's been sort of good underground with a lot of demo gear for Lyft. Uh, the Dom and I for sort of North County. So Dominic is uh, runs Unifoil. And then i'm sponsored by unifoil so anytime anyone wants to try some unifoil stuff out please hit me up happy to go and have you try it i mean i'm looking forward to chuck is talking about opening something in north san diego shop wise and have a full spot like the foil shop up in um, seal beach and so i think that would be awesome because it, it something that's lost with it online and i think it's not just boiling it's surfing too is at least surfing had enough surf shops before online presence, and so you had the whole community of surf shops. You would be the grom. You'd be like, oh, "Okay, I get some free wax if you buy something, or whatever it is." And you'd have those resources. I mean, foiling's so new, and something fun to talk about design-wise is foiling doesn't have the same history like in surfing and designing. Like you, you can look back and see like, "Oh yeah, this is when the twinsers." started coming on the scene and this is when you know twin fins came on the scene and like oh yeah simon anderson like three fin and you can go and look for inspiration design foiling doesn't have that and so everything's so new because technology's advanced so fast a lot of people i think started foiling they it was a medieval torture device five years ago where it's like if i hate someone I'll be like go try an old foil like (laughs) I don't think I dislike anyone right now in the world where I'd be like hey you should go try this old foil and so um foils in the last two three years have advanced the equivalent of a balsa surfboard to probably around like 90s surfboards right now and so I think from now on from now until the next 10 years we'll probably just start refining more and become more specialized but it's not going to have that same leap that it had before. And so it's important for people when they're getting into it that they don't go buy the older foil that's ex- inexpensive because everyone thinks it's like a surfboard like, oh yeah, I can learn on a $200 longboard or something. And like I can go buy the $400 foil. It's like, don't do not do that. That's a good way to hate your life and be like foiling is the worst thing ever. So highly recommend talking to someone that knows how to foil and uh, picking their brain. And the foil world is so nice right now. I mean, it's reminds me of the, pro, I mean, I'm, I'm. we're both way too young, but surfing in the 1950s where you like know everyone, everyone says hi in the lineup, everyone's stoked. There's not that scarcity sense of urgency for waves like there is with surfing. And so, I mean, it's changed my life in that way to where it's not that scarce resource as much anymore. Mm-hmm. And now when I do go surf and the waves are good, I'm not, Freaking out like, oh, the waves haven't been good in a month. I haven't caught a good wave in over a month. I need to get a good wave. I'm just going to be aggressive. I'm just like cruising, just loving life because I've already had 20 sessions on foil, having a blast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that very entry. I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I it's wish
0: really a problem. I, I it yeah. really needs to be solved some way. You know, um, even people that are listening to this are like, oh, cool. How do I get a hold of Kyle? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First of all, you can. Get a hold of Kyle on Instagram, Kyle Knox, uh on Instagram. And... Yeah,
1: Kyle Knox is on Instagram. Um okay. if I don't so respond can... right away, it's not because I don't want to respond, it's just because I don't go on it as much as I probably should. Well, you
0: you have myself. four kids and a full-time job too, and that's exactly this is
1: this is my froth time, exactly. Yeah, so. and so that's the other thing is that um,
0: you know, as as generous as you are with your time and your and your gear, you're simply not going to be able to. There's still going to be a pr- a problem in the in the industry for people to get engaged in this. It's just it's so hard for me to to go. Here's like you and I. We got out of the water. We're like oh my god, I was just going so fast. That was so much fun. Oh my god, it's, just, it's the crappiest little wave. I was just having a blast. You sell that to your friend, and then they go, "Well, how do I do it?" And you're like, uh, "I don't know." See you later. Bye. I gotta go. You're like,
1: "Go spend two grand." Here you go. You know, I, it's funny. I start sending people. I'm like, just buy this. This is a good used gear. And what's funny is because the used market was really astronomical when I started. So I started, it was a COVID hobby for me. I started in 2020 around Halloween, give or take. And I remember used gear was almost the same price as new gear. And so it was like, oh, just buy new gear, just throw in the gauntlet, burn the credit card, I mean, it is a joke with foiling, especially not as much. I mean, it still is there where it's like, cool, you want to learn to foil? Like, where's your 10 grand? Like, you should go, <laughs> like, just set it aside <laughs> right now. I'm hearing from people, like, go set it aside. You're like, what, $10,000? That's insane. But when you get that addiction, it, I mean, it, it's a fix. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Once you get that those glides and being able to have the energy. I mean, I feel like I, for instance, surf contests, I do well in surf contests or something in good waves because I'm a little bit bigger guy. And, and a lot of times when I was doing the WQS, it was all I feel like I'd always do contests in crappy waves. I'd rock up, I'd be like, cool, it's one to two foot. I'm 175 pounds. I'm not going to beat that Brazilian that's 140 pounds that's doing air reverses in a one foot wave. But on a foil, I can rock up, it's one to two foot. mushy and i can like rip the crap out of a wave and do like a strapless air on a foil and have an absolute blast it's like an equalizer um and so that's that feeling that you can't get on you know on a surfboard on fort and so in a way it's an evolution but convincing people that's what it's like is difficult because they just see like oh you're not really well, guys are starting to absolutely rip on foils now. So it's cool to see Um, because it's starting to, I think a lot of people are better surfers are looking at it like, wow, like you're actually surfing. I'm like, yep, you're not surviving anymore. That was five years ago. Um, wow. But yeah, I hope there's shops that pop up. I hope people like get to do more demos and it becomes more of a normal thing. But I, I don't, like I said earlier, I don't think it's ever going to be a huge thing. I think winging, and downwinding are going to be the things that go a lot bigger than, and,
0: and that could be why a lot of the industry's energy isn't really in the prone market. We're just a small, teeny little sliver of that industry's marketplace. Um, downwinding, kiting, um, or winging—excuse me, winging—those things are open to the entire globe. Uh, you know, all you need is a, like you know, a lake or a river or whatever, and you're off and going. And so. That might be why there's going to constantly be a large hurdle, a barrier to entry for guys doing prone. The other thing is I was telling the guy this morning, I was like, well, I started on an Armstrong 1550. That's probably a pretty good wing for you to start on. But after a month, you're done with that and you're ready to get into something that's more maneuverable because you've got it figured out. And so now you're going, okay, I need you to invest $1,800 in a board, a mast, fuselage, and foil, and a wing. And then you're going to have to throw the wing away in a month and throw down another six or $800 on a new wing and all of those things. And then you go, oh, by the way, you need to commit to one month straight, which is what you told me, Kyle, when I was starting. You're like, you have to commit every day, go to San Onofre for one month straight, and you'll have it figured out. So that's the other thing. Can guys commit emotionally and mentally you kind of got to you know because oh, yeah
1: it's hard at first I know it's probably when I told you that like holy crap I got to do this for a month straight that's a lot I got to surf and everything else and not just boil um and I remember Rio Stevens told me I got to commit and a couple other people when I was learning um luckily like I said it was during COVID um is you just got to commit to it and you got to go th- embrace the suck embrace not being good at something embrace going to the low part of the pecking order of a lineup and i remember paddling out at sano when it was the first week where i just i got my new gear was like all right i got all the best stuff i i worked with justin Tiernez, it was pretty hilarious at dark arts we go and we designed a foil board and i didn't really know how to foil and we're like sitting there like all right well this is what I think the rail should be like. And I think the bottom should do this. And I think the angle of the foil should match your stance. And it was funny because we talked about all these design theories without not really knowing how to foil. And they all ended up being epic, like spot on where (laughs) that original board is still going. Um, Shout out to dark arts and Justin because they are the best. Speaking of build, you know, boards by foil foil boards get absolutely destroyed in the boxes. So just buy a dark arts off the bat, spend the money and have it for five years versus buy a used one. The boxes are are jacked up and you're going to be going through boards every six months. So anyways, uh, so I go to Sano, I paddle out. I remember I have a full Sparta helmet on. So I had the, this bright red helmet. I couldn't get a helmet. It was during COVID everyone was out of helmets and Because probably all the adult learners from surfing, since I was adult learner foiler, were all taking all the helmets. So I paddle out on this ridiculous bright red helmet. And uh, it's a Simba helmet. Shout out to them. Um, it works amazing. I paddle out, and I'm just looking at everyone, and I just start apologizing to all the other foilers. I'm like, hey, guys, this is like my first or second session ever. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know, I know what I'm doing. Like, I swear I, I will paddle thing. into a wave. Unless I literally
0: raised my hand when I
1: paddled out of yeah, the like really mouth really and I was like, out. I don't
0: know. I'm a clue. <laughs> Watch out for me. I'm doing my best to stay out of your way. Please forgive me.
1: Yeah. And it's funny. Cause there's a guy, um, we call him everyday Dave. Yeah. Oh God. I, would, I feel bad. Even talking about Santa with everything that's happening right now, but oh, yeah. With yeah. access, but anyways, that's a whole nother thing. We'll keep it yeah. going. But, uh, so I pal out and, and then surf doc, Steve, He's out there, Dave. There's other guys that are all just really epic, nice humans. They're just like, oh, no worries. Like, it's all good. Let me, you know, offering to help, advice, everything else. I'm just like, oh, God. All right. I'm just going to do it. And so it's funny. The first two weeks, I basically went to Sano every day, went down to Dog Patch, had an absolute blast, was just cooked. My calves, my quads. Everything completely cooked. I think I probably lost like 15 pounds the first month I foiled. And I just taught myself and I was like, I'm going to, you put the head down and you learn to foil. And I was like, I'm going to learn. And so by the first, I think I, I mean, I unusual because I did a two for one pretty much almost my first week doing it. But those guys, it was cool because they saw me literally piling out. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Sorry, please stay away from me. And knowing what I know now, the foil world's so welcoming. So people are so nice. Like they're not, it's like normal. Because everyone yeah. has been a learner in the last five years. Because no, like someone that's going a long time is like seven years ago. You know, that's yeah. the longest. I mean, Kai Lenny eight years ago. Yeah. So anyways, um, go from that to basically being comfortable, being able to do a two for one, um, and then starting to actually – surf waves like you're doing now, Scott is like epic. It's just such an amazing feeling. And it's so good to have that. And it's that another feather in the cap that you can do in the ocean to spend more time in the ocean, to have your window in the ocean go, okay, what's the best craft for this time frame? Um, especially when you're busy with all the kids and working and whatnot. Yeah. Um, cause when it's the best thing you can go surf. I mean, I want to get barreled every day. Still, I want to go and <laughs> like surf. Yeah good waves and do some awesome turns on a surfboard i mean i'd love to do that and that never will ever get old but now my life has changed and i look at the ocean a different way and i appreciate i think all the other surf craft out there even more um in fact it's funny because i'm like god i want i have an itch to just get in a log of some sort just for like super tiny days or down the line when it's too shallow to foil almost yeah. where it's so micro but it, it yeah. so it opens you up you look at downwinding you look at i mean even when i was on the the orca adventure downwinding you could feel the bottom of the ocean you could feel where there's cliffs on the on the shore you can feel the reverb off of the cliffs and then that's adding energy to the ocean so the way Mm -hmm. you look at the ocean now i mean maybe someone like you it's different i didn't ever downwind or go out on canoes and and way out there before i mean i did some paddle races prone but i didn't do a ton of them but it's amazing how much appreciation you have for the reefs feeling the reef underneath you feeling the boils understanding lineups better um and i think it makes you surf better honestly once you get it i mean initially like you're saying it feels i remember the first time i went surfing after committing to foil where all i did was foil for three weeks and the first session surfing i was tripping out. I was like, "Holy crap! Like, what am I doing?" But I mean, I <laughs> now I can go back and forth super easy. It's like no big deal. You just go yeah. back, like one wave, you're back yeah. normal. Yeah, so no problem. No, problem. no problem. And I told you this. You're. I remember you telling me. What did you say when you went first back? <laughs> I, I was like,
0: like <laughs> "Oh my god! I'm. I, I was. I was such a kook. I thought. I thought. I. I thought I was never going to be able to surf again. I was such a complete kook when I first paddled out on my surfboard. This was after. 6 weeks maybe 2 months of only foiling.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because there, I mean it's almost like a giant single fin with I want to say an anchor below it but almost like a weighted single fin. And so it's amazing you can ride narrower boards and you have more stability when you're paddling and cruising around because of the foil down below you. Yeah. Um so it is definitely and so when you go to a normal board and say you go to like a high performance narrower board it feels it's so loose and so tipsy it's pretty crazy <laughs> to go yeah. and, you, and your feet are like going but what's nice is the foil design has gotten so much better and so now they're starting to ride and feel like you're surfing a normal surfboard your weight management front to back foot everything is like that um something probably fun to talk about is design i don't know um since i mean i love surfboard design and everything else and i've love working with uh, Justin over at dark arts and a lot of the the freaking willy wonka's carbon factory over there insane yeah. um but a uh, foil board design is something that is super unique and i think i mean there's the term foil brain which is really fun and it, it's basically when i started foiling i started looking at fins different I started looking at surfboards a little different and sort of planing surface. How is it? I mean, are you starting to look at surfboards a little different from foiling and I guess design fins and whatnot?
0: Um, I kind of have them completely separated, but I'm way more engaged with the foil side of design because I feel like, I mean, I know I've been dealing with surfboards for 40 years. So to me, just a subtle little difference on a back wing, on a foil, on the fuselage makes all the difference in the world, like like a, like the amount of sensitivity to change on your foil setup is incredible. Whereas if I change a fin, yeah, I definitely notice it, but it's not like make or break your ride type of thing. It's you know what I mean. So I'm the the sensitivity of a foil setup is pretty fascinating and noticeable.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It's funny bringing that up because I I think because I'm immune because I'm three and a half years down the line on my foil journey so i'm uh more used to that sensitivity but yeah it's that's a great point in between like you change fans you notice them and i'm one of those weirdos where i notice every little thing on surfboards to a fault probably why i work with dark arts and justin and other to de- design and do different builds with them which is absolutely epic so thanks all the guys at dark arts amazing spot made in the us by the way gotta throw a shout out for that since yeah That's important. It's so important. So rare. I mean, I feel like just made in a factory where the people do the sport and then understand the nuances and everything about it and care um, is a special thing. Uh, But yeah, foil, you move a foil mast one inch any direction, it changes it completely. You move the so the another thing is people aren't they're starting to do more and it's talked about but it's still not talked about much is i'm messing around with rd foils and so i'm shimming the base plate on a mast and so each foil has a and also a board if the board has a different rocker a little tail rocker negative rocker flat and then pinning on the foil company they'll have a different angle for the foil and so if you change the base plate just like half a degree it makes that foil work insane or ruins it i mean the same with tails i mean it's a crazy well i have this explode with the customization which has been awesome
0: (laughs) my thing is i'm afraid to change because i'm like okay i got it right where i want it i'm not going to change a thing because i know if i change a little thing it's like you know it's a whole session to kind of
1: figure it out you know it'll make you a better foiler so i totally I, i was right there with you where i didn't change anything for a while where i was like all right this is my ride or die foil, yeah. ride or die board. I'm not changing anything. It feels great, but then I started trying all these different foils, and now I think it makes you a better foiler. If you change your setup a lot, you'll be able to adapt. Sort of like you're a better surfer if you ride a bunch of different surfboards and you yeah. try a bunch of different stuff. You'll yeah. like. I remember working with Brad Gerlach. Shout out to him back in the day, um, and he was like, "Hey Kyle, you, you know you got to draw your turns out a little more. You need to be riding on a bigger board for a little bit." And so then we borrow one of his. know personal bigger boards i think it was a chris christensen it was super fun but i mean the thing was long i was like god how do i turn this in three foot (laughs) waves like and so you got to draw those different lines and by doing that it helped my you know when i got back on a shorter board or something more high performance per se because now i was looking at the wave and drawing those different lines i think foiling for me too something might help everyone is going out in the flats more because you have so much glide You can do a bottom turn so far out in the flats. You're like in no man's land on a surfboard on a foil. You're like, just go straight back into the energy of the wave. No problem. Cause you just have that infinite glide. It's nuts.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, look, we we've, um, we've explored a lot here. We've had Orca talk. We are having foil talk. We're, we're learning a lot and it's an exciting time in the world of, of being able to get in the water and on any, you know, However Perhaps. we do it, however. We yeah, do it, exactly. You know?
1: And that's the thing is I think people, you know, need to enjoy, embrace the, I think, difference more. I mean, if you go to Hawaii, I think, because it's a little more of a water person culture, there's, I mean, all the heavies that you would be scared of the surf with back in the day, they're all foiling down. And yeah. so it hasn't necessarily hit here. And I think, I mean, prone foiling personally I think that's sort of the top of foiling I mean it's absolutely epic but I mean it's super fun it's brought me into winging it's brought me into downwinding and so if you ever told me I'd be doing a, a wind sport I'd be like you're crazy like what, yeah. what do you mean I don't I like hate the wind. wind I want it I classy all the time <laughs> only yeah, wind easy. I want is offshore I don't want yeah. it like and even then like I don't want to so now I'm looking at the wind going like oh well there's like wind coming like maybe I can go and have you been up to the Hood River? No, I'm I'm like, I'm itching we to go. We should go up
0: there. You and I should go up there for the show, for the AWSI. Let's go. Uh,
1: let's go. Okay, I got to convince my wife yeah, when she, listened, way, right? she listens to this. Well, I don't know if she'll get this far, but yeah, please, yeah. honey.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure anybody got too far at this point. I know, right? <laughs> they're
1: like, God, as soon as they heard point, and they're like, turn it off. Like, God, I don't want to hear this guy mm-hmm. talk about point. Well, But uh, we'll look, still surf all the good ways. put it that way and go yeah. on surf here exactly
0: exactly um i have a hard out so it i I think we should end it here and we'll pick it up again at another time but um kyle knox thanks thanks so much for being on the boardroom podcast with me and um and i look forward to picking your brain and surfing with you and foiling with you uh for a long time to come
1: likewise thanks so much scott